Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CFB 365 podcast. My name is Dylan Cowan Crowley. This week, I'm joined by Anthony Zahn. Marty will not be joining us this week, uh, but I'm sure he'll be back next week as we uh, talk recruiting and talk Pac-12 football. As you guys know, we're continuing our spring slash summer previews of the Power 5 conferences. We're at the Big Ten today. We're not going to take terribly long in this episode. Um, let's be honest, most of these schools are done their spring practices. I know Rutgers actually just started after a COVID uh, issue with the program. Uh, so their spring game won't be until May 23rd, I believe. But most of these schools are done uh, their spring camps and are moving towards the summer. Uh, Anthony, let's just jump right into this. Uh, we'll go quickly through each team. We're not going to, we don't spend too much time on it. We'll give just a couple thoughts and move on. Uh, so starting off, we'll start off in the East division with the 2020, I don't want to call it surprise because a lot of people did think they were going to be a solid team, but the Indiana Hoosiers who went, uh, six and two overall last year, including six and one in conference play. Uh, they were led by a great offense. Of course, uh, that that offense was led by quarterback Michael Penix Jr., who suffered a torn ACL towards the end of the season. He's expected to be back in time for the 2021 season, but it is not a certainty. Uh, this team, like I said, was led offensively. They averaged 28.9 points per game, so about 29. But defensively, they're tremendous as well, only allowing 20 points per game. Uh, Anthony, I think this Hoosiers team is going to once again be really good in 2021. They have a lot of good returning pieces. I think it's just ultimately going to come down to how well Penix is recovered from his torn ACL and if he's going to be able to uh, replicate the success he had uh, this past season. Yeah, I think everybody thought that Indiana could be a team that could surprise people in the Big Ten last year, take a step forward, but I don't think anybody expected to see what they actually did. I think they were one of the surprises, not just in the Big Ten, but in all of college football. They put together a very, very impressive season, uh, one of the best seasons they've had in decades. Uh, defensively going into this year, uh, not a lot of questions there. They have nine starters coming back defensively. They were a very solid defensive unit. You know, they were great with Michael Penix, but their defense definitely kept them in a lot of games, especially against teams like Ohio State. Um, offensively is where their questions are going to lie. Obviously, if Michael Penix isn't back, uh, Indiana is going to have to continue developing Jack Tuttle to be able to uh, keep that offensive float. And also uh, running back, uh, Stevie Scott III is going to the NFL. And this was an offense that averaged only about three yards per carry in 2020 anyway. So finding a replacement at running back for Stevie Scott is definitely a priority going into the summer. I 100% agree. And uh, yeah, you're right. It was definitely a team that people expected to be kind of a dark horse to be a strong team, but I'm not sure anybody expected them to be uh, as high as number seven in the uh, AP poll last season. Um, I definitely agree that they, uh, about those questions at running back that they need to answer. And I think the other thing I'm just looking for them uh, this spring is to improve on their defense. uh, uh, Sorry, their pass defense. They've allowed 241 yards per game last year, which um, is not great at all. I mean, it it is amazing that their defense was so, uh, strong overall despite having such a below average pass defense. So I'm going to look for them to improve there this uh, spring slash summer heading into next season. Um, moving on, let's go to the University of Maryland, who had a 2-3 and three season in 2020, only played five games, so they missed four games because of COVID issues, whether with their program or opposing programs. Um what we saw out of Maryland in their short time last year was the offense showed flashes of, I don't want to say brilliance, but being strong, really good. And then the defense was a massive struggle. The defense allowed 32 points per game. Um, 
what do you think is going to be the key to success for Maryland uh, in 2021 that they have to work on uh, this spring slash summer? I think one area that Maryland's going to need to improve if they want to take that next step, and this has been an issue that they've always had for the last couple of years from what I can remember, is their offensive line. Um, they've always had decent skill players. Um, now they have a, a solid quarterback in Talia Tagovailoa. Um, they've just never had like a quality offensive line that could really anchor that rushing attack or that can really give Tagovailoa or any quarterback in that offense the protection they need to get the ball to guys like Raheem Jarrett. So if they could improve that offensive line production, I, I, it's not you know a complete shot in the dark to say that Maryland could improve off of last season. And uh, defensively, I think they need to take a step forward as well. Uh, losing guys like Chance Campbell uh, to the transfer portal is not ideal, but they have a lot of young guys and they definitely focused uh, their recruiting efforts last year on the defensive side of the ball. Um, guys like Demon Robinson or um, uh, Brandon Jennings as a linebacker, Terrence Lewis a little bit in this conversation if he didn't tear his ACL, but um, guys like that can really make an impact in their first year on this defense. And I think it'll be a young defense, but it could be very athletic and very talented. I, I 100%, 100% agree with you there. Uh, th- there is a lot of talent across on this team across the board. And this is a team I think that could take a step forward to being a six to eight win team, maybe not this year, but in a year or two. Um, but yeah, I, this is a big year, I think, for Mike Loxley. Obviously, they're not going to go and fire him after three years, but um, they showed some improvements in 2020 after an abysmal 2019 season. Now, can they show bigger steps forward with a fuller offseason? Last year, you didn't have really a full offseason because of everything that went on with COVID. Um, we saw that similarly with like programs like Georgia Tech and other programs with uh, second-year head coaches or even first-year head coaches. So uh, it's a big year for Loxley and the Terrapins there. Uh, moving on, we go to the University of Michigan, who, uh, depending on who you ask, surprisingly extended Mike Car- Mike Jim Harpaugh, uh, who – Let's be honest, I think to both of us, that was a shocker. Harbaugh hasn't exactly lived up to expectations in Ann Arbor. Uh, and last year was a 2-4 and four season, the worst yet for the Wolverines under Harbaugh. Uh, th- their only wins coming over Minnesota and Rutgers. Um, and they lost to Michigan State, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Penn State. Now, both Indiana and Wisconsin were ranked at the time. Uh, but Penn State was winless. And uh, Michigan State was, I mean, nobody expected that one either. Um, the big question here, obviously, is can the Wolverines find a quarterback? Uh, Anthony, do you think bringing in um, Alan Bowman? Yes, Alan Bowman from Texas Tech is is the answer for the Wolverines, or or what do you think? I have absolutely no idea who's going to win this quarterback battle. Like, usually you can sit there and say, oh, I think this guy has the edge. This guy's the most likely winner. This can really go any of the three ways between the three quarterbacks that are battling for it. It's between Alan Bowman, who transferred in from Texas Tech, Caden McNamara, who started for them last year, and J.J. McCarthy, who is the five-star, you know, true freshman, expected to be the guy of the future, if not the guy of the present. Um I think everybody wants it to be McCarthy just because, you know, that whole future is now mindset, get him going. Maybe you've got a star there, but it wouldn't shock me if it was either of the other two. I really look at this as a 33% split right now. So I really can't give you an answer. This is honestly one of the bigger battles of the offseason that I think is going to be the most interesting to see who wins it. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a battle that I don't think Michigan's going to, Content for the Big Ten East and by any means. Well, they're going to be at the top, I think. Again, I I don't expect them to be bad. I think you agree with that. Like, I'd be I'd be pretty shocked if Michigan is as bad as they were last year. I, I expect them to kind of return to to normal. Probably be an eight or nine win team. Typical Michigan, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, but yeah, 
the quarterback is going to be the biggest question on this team. I mean, defensively last year, it wasn't good either at 34.5 points per game, but Don Brown is now out as the defensive coordinator, which it kind of – I understand why they made the, the decision, but I I mean, he is still one of the most highly respected defensive coordinators in the country. Um, that being said, we'll see how it works out there for them. They did bring in um, – They they brought in had, they brought in Mike McDonald. Yeah, Mike so, McDonald. Uh, I, I just had his name. My screen went blank. Um Mike yeah. Um which has upside there, but we'll see how that works out. Uh there is a lot to work on though for the Wolverines overall. I think we both agree, but quarterback is definitely the biggest question mark heading into the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think going back to Don Brown for a second, I think somebody had to be the scapegoat for the bad season. And once we found out it wasn't going to be Harbaugh, I think Don Brown was the next best choice. So uh, a move had to be made, and that was the move. Uh, Mike McDonald comes in as a defensive coordinator. I think um, defensively, I was going to say that's one of the biggest priorities is, you know, adjusting the defense to Mike McDonald's scheme and getting everybody on board there. Um, They returned nine starters on defense. Uh, which could help them going into next season. But, yeah, how will this defense look under Mike McDonald is probably the biggest question going into the offseason. Yeah, and not and this isn't a question, but more of a I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm very interested to see how Donovan Edwards performs this year as a true freshman. By all reports that I've seen out there, is uh, he's looked uh, absolutely phenomenal uh, in spring camp for the Wolverines. So, it if he can come in and be a day one impact player, that's going to be a huge, huge boost to that offense that really hasn't had a dominant running back in a long time. I was just about to say that it feels like it's been a long time since Michigan's had a dominant running back. We thought they had that guy with um, Zach Charbonnet. It turned out not to be the case. Um, I think Donovan Edwards seriously has the potential to be a game-changing running back for Michigan. And, um, yeah, I think he should probably be in contention for a starting job as a freshman. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. And I think with that, we move on to the Michigan State Spartans. Um, I mean, kind of like, I would say, Maryland, expectations were pretty low for Michigan State heading into the 2020 season under Mel Tucker. And they didn't do great. They went 2-5. and five. They their wins over, of course, Michigan, as we just uh, talked about, and Northwestern is their other win. So, I mean, that Northwestern win does look impressive, uh, no matter how you look at it. Uh, Northwestern went to the Big Ten Championship game uh, and played Ohio State pretty well. That being said, they lost to Rutgers, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State, and Penn State, though they did give Penn State a little bit of a run for their money uh, early on in that game. Uh Last year, the offense was uh, just, I mean, terrible. 18 points per game. Defense allowed 35 points per game. Um, So while they showed some improvements, it was still mostly a struggle. Uh, But there were flashes there that you saw, okay, Mel Tucker has something going on here in East Lansing that perhaps he could build on heading into 2020. And, I'm not saying they're going to be a six-win team, but perhaps they could win four or five games here in 2021. I think a lot of that is going to come down to quarterback Peyton Thorne or quarterback Anthony Russo, who came in from Temple uh, this offseason. Thorne um, really looked good against Penn State. I mean, he looked like a Heisman Trophy candidate against Penn State. Now, Penn State's pass defense was uh, just horrific last year, but... That being said, I mean, it was still a very strong performance. Anthony Russo, he, he had success at Temple. Did have a bit of a turnover bug uh, with the Owls, but he brings plenty of experience to East Lansing. It is a step up from the American Conference, but uh, I, he's definitely in play to win that starting quarterback battle. Uh, Anthony, what's your thoughts on the Spartans? Do you think this is a team that's going to, be in that four or five win area, or do you think they're going to, they, they could even be at the bottom of the division of the East. 
I don't think this is going to be a good year for Michigan State. I think they just have too many holes on both sides of the ball. They return eight starters offensively. They return eight starters defensively. So a lot of their guys are coming back. However, I just I just don't see it with this team. Um, yeah, Peyton Thorne, he did look good against Penn State. But if you're a quarterback at the D1 level and you want to throw for 400 yards in a game and three touchdowns, play against Penn State because that's literally their MO is making average quarterbacks look like Heisman winners. But um, I, I, I just I don't know what to think of this Michigan State team. I, they're a team that they'll always win a game or two that they shouldn't win. But I still think it's it's a long rebuild for Mel Tucker, and I I sure. wouldn't expect much out of this team this year. There's going to be a lot of growing pains as they go through this season. Sure, and I I would say I think they're sealing it. I mean, let's look at their. 2021 schedule. I know we're not doing this for every team, but for the sake of the conversation, uh, let's see. Um, so they, their non-conference schedule is Youngstown State, which should be a win. Miami, that's a loss. And uh, Western Kentucky. Uh, so that should be a win. So, I mean, you got two wins right there, probably. And then you have Northwestern, Nebraska, Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan, Purdue, Maryland, Ohio State, Penn State. Um, for Michigan State, I think the ceiling is probably four wins. and But I wouldn't be shocked if they, win, um, if they didn't win a single Big Ten game this season. Little side note about Michigan State. I'm pretty sure that I saw that they've had like 30 total transfers. 12 incoming and 18 outgoing this offseason. That's an incredible amount of turnover on, on, on one that's team. A, yeah, that's – I mean, and that's something to consider. Like, that's a lot of players coming in and that doesn't even include incoming freshmen. It doesn't, no. So that's a ton of turnover, like you said, and that's a lot of moving pieces. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts uh, them going into next season. But like like you said, I think it's going to be a struggle of a season for them. Maybe they find some momentum on some things that they had success with last year. But at the end of the day, I think the ceiling is four wins, and it's a likely a two- to three-win team. Yeah. I think eventually Michigan State will get back to where they once were, but I just don't think it's going to be in the near future. Yeah. And now by once were, do you mean the Michigan State that was consistently a – quality team with a good 10-1 season here or there? Or do you mean the peak Michigan State Spartans where we saw them win 10-11 games for a couple of straight years there, uh, make college football playoff? No, I, I think they'll consistently, eventually consistently be like a 8-9 to nine win team again. And then every, once, sure. every few years or so, you'll see them pull off a 10-11 to 11 win season, maybe even throw themselves in the playoff mix like they did in 2015 or 2015. 14, one of those two years, whatever year sure. they went to the playoffs. I could see that sure. from them in the, in the future, but it, it's going to take a while. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to our next team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, okay, so the Buckeyes made the national championship last year, got steamrolled by Alabama, and their 2021 outlook is make the playoffs again. Um, this is the best team in the conference by far. One of the top three teams in the country, no matter how you look at it, the biggest question for them is who's going to be a quarterback. And to be honest, Anthony, I'm not sure it really matters because as long as the quarterback they put out there doesn't completely suck, there's too much talent around whoever that quarterback is to fail. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This team is loaded. Um, Ohio State will always be loaded unless something dramatic happens. Um, it'll most likely be C.J. Stroud, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's probably the front runner at this point to win the job. Um, I Seems think Miller like and McCord are probably more battling for the backup position. But, I mean, they have such incredible wide receiver depth. I'd say receiver is probably the deepest, if not one of the deepest positions on that team. Um, I think the it may be question, the best wide receiver group in the country. Oh, 100%. It's like three or four deep like it's it's like th- like three or four levels deep like it's insane it's it's them or alabama at this point yeah especially when olave came back you got olave you got garrett wilson 
You've got uh, like the three talented receivers from the 2020 class. Um, it's just it's so ridiculous the amount of weapons that whoever starts will have. And plus, you got like guys yeah. like Master Teague at running back still. So, yeah, yeah. offensively they're going to be fine. I think the bigger questions are on defense, and the the area I'm looking for Ohio State specifically is their linebacker core, um, because they're losing quite a bit at linebacker from last year. Guys like Tough Borland, Baron Browning, Pete Werner, Justin Hilliard, they're all gone to the NFL now. So yeah. Ohio State's always been a reload type of team. You know, they don't rebuild, they just reload, next man up. Absolutely. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see who steps up to replace those linebackers. Now, if they get Henry Toe from Tennessee, which there's some reports coming out that they might be the, the front runners to, to land him, those questions immediately go away because he is an all-American type of linebacker. But for now, there's some questions at linebacker for Ohio State. Yep, and uh, Mike Farrell of Rivals reported that one on Twitter earlier. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Ohio State's always been a reload-type program, as you are when you're one of those top three, four, five teams in the country. But to replace that many guys in just one unit. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if those uh, underclassmen can come in and fill in those shoes right away at a high level. Uh, it's not going to make or break that team by any means, but uh, if anything, it'll just be a crack in the armor for a few weeks until they figure it out. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we both agree Ohio State's going to, is the big 10 favorite here easily. And is likely headed back to the college football playoffs next uh, December, correct? Oh, yeah. I would fully expect them to be back in the playoff conversation. I think they're clearly uh, heads and tails above heads and tails above everybody else in, in the Big Ten this year. All right. Moving on to the Penn State and Indian Lions, who are coming off uh, one of their worst seasons in uh, about 15 years since the early 2000s as um, they started off – 0-5, Anthony, uh, but finished 4-5. and So they turned it around at the end of the season, but early on it was ugly. The offense turned the ball over a crap ton. The defense couldn't stop anybody, especially through the air um, at times. Um, what is your overall feelings of the Ninety Lions heading to the spring slash uh, summer Obviously, like some of the other teams we talked about, this is going to come down to the quarterback position where it seems like Sean Clifford is the likely starter once again this upcoming fall. They didn't bring any quarterbacks in this spring in terms of the transfer portal, and uh, it doesn't seem like they're going to bring in anybody this summer. So what do you think this team's ceiling is with Sean Clifford, and do you think they're there's any hope for Penn State uh, this year if Clifford's the guy? Any hope at the playoffs? No, uh, Clifford's not a playoff quarterback. Uh, let's say, let's say, let's say a New Year's Six game, since that's where Penn State was for the most part the last few seasons. After last season, I would be thrilled if Penn State got to a New Year's Six game with Sean Clifford as quarterback. I've just after last year, I've completely lost all confidence in him to be uh, what Penn State needs him to be. Um, we'll see what Mike Yurkic can do with him. Uh, maybe he can unlock something in him that Kirk Shiraka was unable to. Um, with Clifford, the key is always going to be limiting turnovers. Um, if he starts getting the turnover bug, this team's in serious trouble. I think that Penn State has found um, some new weapons and guys like Parker Washington. Um, along with Jahan Dotson, Keandre Lambert-Smith will also be involved, and that tight end room is always stacked. So they've got playmakers around him, and if the running backs are healthy again, they'll be fine. It's just getting Sean Clifford's head right and uh, having him limit turnovers and play within himself if Penn State wants to be successful. Sure, and because offensively, I mean, if they fail, it's likely going to come down to either the offensive line or the quarterback play. Because you look at wide receiver, they only they they have a lot of unproven depth at wide receiver. But at the top of the list, you have Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington, and 
I mean, those two look are probably the number two wide receiver duo in the Big Ten behind whatever duo you want to pick from Ohio State because there's like five. Um, but, I mean, surrounding Clifford is quite a bit of talent. Running back, you got Kayvon Lee, uh, Kazai Holmes, Noah Kane. And then, like I said, receiver, you got Jahan Dotson, Washington. They didn't lose Pat Fryermuth, uh, but they they have Brennan Strains, Andre Lambert-Smith, um, and Theo Johnson, a tight end, who I think could break out this uh, fall for the Nittany Lions, pick up by where Pat Fryermuth left off. So, uh, yeah, I think this team is going to ultimately come down to Clifford's play. Defensively, Penn State – always will have like really strong numbers. I mean, you look at their defense numbers last year, uh, minus to 27.7 points per game. They only allowed, they allowed less than 200 yards through the air per game. They allowed 130 yards on the ground per game, which isn't great, but not terrible. But overall, they only allowed 329 yards total offense. Just off those numbers, you wouldn't have thought that they were a four and five team around uh, nearly four touchdowns a game, but here we are, and that's exactly what they were. Uh, so I think the defense will be consistently solid next year, never uh, truly elite. The numbers may look better than they actually are, but, um, yeah, I think it comes down to Clifford. And uh, unfortunately for Penn State, I think the ceiling of Clifford, I mean, eight wins probably, and if they're lucky, nine wins, depending on how a couple games break. We'll, we'll learn early about Penn State with that uh, Wisconsin and Auburn in the first three weeks. I was just about to say that those first couple of weeks are really going to show us uh, what this Penn State team can be. If they come out of that stretch, and don't count out Ball State either. That Ball State was the MAC champion last year. They're a good team. They could easily good come into Happy Valley and, and make that one interesting. But if they come out of that stretch one and two or somehow worse, I think that the season's going to fall apart very quickly for Penn State. But – and we've seen that in the past under James Franklin. I'm not saying it's um, all on uh, Franklin, but um, sorry, I'm, I'm watching the Phillies game and Bryce Harbor just took a pitch to the face. So got to make sure my star player is okay. But oh, who are we talking about? We're talking about uh, James Franklin, my guy. James six, Franklin. Six, 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 six. Yeah. Welcome back, Dylan. Welcome back. Over the last four or five seasons with James Franklin, Penn State would be very good, right? And then they would suffer a heartbreaking loss. And then it would just spiral out of control. They would they would find a victory again, but they it, it would often be back-to-back losses or three losses in four weeks or so on and so forth. Uh, so I fully agree with that. If it goes wrong in the first couple of weeks, it's going to be a long season for Penn State. Um, moving on. As we go throughout the Big Ten East, our last Big Ten East team is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, who, I mean, Greg Schiano is cooking there in Piscataway. I mean, on the recruiting trail. And, I mean, last year they went uh, three and six, which, I mean, is just a huge improvement from where they were before. They were a very competitive team throughout, in my mind, throughout the entire season. Uh, rarely got blown out. They even gave Ohio State some, I don't say trouble, because Ohio State did beat them pretty well, but they played Ohio State pretty tough. Um, so I, I love what Greg Sean is doing there in Piscataway, and I think this is a, a team that's going to be very, uh, very tough this upcoming season. Yeah, I think there's not necessarily one, like Rutgers has a lot to improve on, don't get me wrong. But I think the big thing for Rutgers this year is just continue to build on what you did last year. You know, they went from scoring uh, 13 points per game in 2019 to almost 27 points per game in 2020. They more than doubled their offensive output last year, which is impressive in and of itself. And they've got 11 guys coming back on offense, which I think is huge for that team. So I think the biggest thing for Rutgers, just both offensively and defensively, is just continue to improve in all facets of the game because you know let's be honest they were at the bottom of the power five not just the big 10 for the last five to six years so you can really only go up from where they were 
Uh, I, I 100% agree. And um, there's questions about who their quarterback is going to be this upcoming season. Uh, but, I mean, overall, this is a team that's just come so far. And maybe they only go, you know, three and not. Maybe they get three wins again, which isn't horrible. Um, but it, but this team has just made so many strides over this past year or so that it, it's just a testament to how good Greg Schiano is at head coach and how absolutely stupid Tennessee was in that whole debacle. Oh, I could talk about Tennessee and that, that whole debacle with Schiano for a, a long time, but, um, I have strong feelings about that, but yeah, I mean, this was the best hire that Rutgers ever could have made. And they're actually going to be relevant to some degree in college football because of it, instead of completely falling out of favor and potentially even falling out of the power five, if they didn't get Shiano. A hundred percent, 100% agree. Um, let's move on to the big 10 West um, with Illinois. Who has a brand new head coach this season? Uh, they got li- rid of Lovey Smith, and uh, they bring in uh, Brett Bielema. Bielema. I can't speak. Bielema. I can't speak tonight. Bird. Let's just call him Bird, as we all love to call him on Twitter. Bird. Um, but Bielema comes in, a uh, former Wisconsin head coach. Obviously, was at Arkansas as well. Did not go well there in Fayetteville. But uh, this is is a tough place to win football right now. Uh, Illinois hasn't been good in what feels like forever. And, I mean, Lovey Smith, I don't know if he was in over his head or what, but they never seem to get the ball rolling consistently there. Do you think Bielema is the type of coach that could come in and stabilize that program? Or do you think this is going to be just another – failed head coaching opportunity. I think it depends on what you define a failure for Bielema at Illinois. Um, If you expect him to come in and make Illinois, you know, above 500 program, like eight, nine, 10, even like 10 wins at some points, that's not going to happen. No, he's not going to make Illinois like a serious big 10 contender. But if you expect him to come in and, you know, stabilize that program, like you said, then, yeah, I think Bielema has the potential to do that. Um, I think he can come in and recruit guys to Illinois, at least decent players, and maybe coach them up a little bit. Um, There's a lot of question marks on this team going into this year. Uh, This isn't going to be similar to Michigan State. This isn't going to be a year for Illinois to really do anything spectacular. They'll probably just be fighting to stay out of last place. But I, I think that they can, at least in the years to come, be stabilized as a program, like you said. Absolutely. I think I think with him, he's obviously going to bring in type, kind of like the Wisconsin type thing. They're going to build this at the line of scrimmages, as they should, and they're going to just try to run the ball down your throat 90% of the time. Um I just don't know if it's going to work outside of Wisconsin. Wisconsin is one of the few places left in college football that that works still. Um, and even for Wisconsin, it doesn't always work. I mean, we've seen them struggle quite a bit over the last few years. Um, I mean, I think he could stabilize the program in terms of maybe getting them to four to six wins. But – at the same time, if we're sitting here in three seasons and he hasn't won more than uh, three games in a single season, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked either. You know, I, it really is going to be interesting to see what he's able to do at Illinois because, like I said, I don't think it's going to be anything spectacular, but, you know, I think for programs like Illinois, you always, if you want to be successful, you always should go after a coach that's young and innovative and up and coming. I really believe that. But 
if they're just looking to get that program back on the right track, then sure, he could be that guy. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff to fix with this program, so we'll, we'll just move on to uh, Iowa, who, I mean, Iowa is one of those teams that are consistently going to give you strong games. They went 6-2 and two last year in, a, in a, what was a very good season, very good defensively, with allowing 16 points per game. Uh, offense was very strong as well, scoring 31 points per game. Spencer... Uh, is it, are we pronouncing it Petrus or Petros? I have no idea how to pronounce it. I'm I'm gonna go with Petrus. Probably uh, wrong. Either way, I I thought he was solid last year. Nine touchdowns, five interceptions. But th- this team was very good on the ground. 171 yards per game, and defensively they were very good. Uh, like I said, only 16 uh, points per game and only allowed 313 yards per game. Uh, Kirk Ferentz always has strong teams and in 2021 I expect the same this team is just I mean nothing but consistently above average to a really good team yeah I think that's what you're always going to get from a a Kirk Ferentz led Iowa team he's always going to have that team ready to play and they're always going to be fundamentally sound that's just how he is as a coach and that's just how his teams play um, I think the biggest um, story for the, going into the spring or the biggest areas that Iowa needs to focus on is the trenches, both on offensive line and the defensive line. Um, they're losing three starters on that O-line, and I believe three starters on the D-line as well in uh, Chauncey Golston and two D-tackles in uh, Davion Nixon and Jack Heflin. And they only allowed 16 points per game in 2020 to begin with. So they were very solid defensively. And and that team always is good in the trenches. So finding new guys to to step in for those productive players is going to be big for them. Absolutely. And I I do think their passing game, if they want to compete maybe to get into that Big Ten championship game, their passing game is going to take a step forward. Uh, it was like I said earlier. It wasn't. It wasn't horrible, but they're gonna need to take a step forward on that fifty-seven percent completion percentage at one hundred ninety-seven yards per game. But overall, it's gonna be a solid team, and they're gonna be right at the top of that division. Moving on, we got the University of Minnesota, who's coming off a disappointing season to say the least. After uh, a dream season in twenty nineteen, they go to. Dropped to three and four last year under PJ Fleck. The offense took a step back. The defense took a step back. Tanner Morgan was uh, anything but good. Uh, the only really positive out of them was Muhammad Ibrahim. Um, I mean, do you think this is a team that's going to rebound from last year, or do you think uh, 2019 was kind of a, I don't want to say a mirage, but like a flash in the pan, and they're kind of back to being Minnesota now? I think a lot of As it's we gonna, know Minnesota. I think a lot of it's going to depend on their defense. I do think that the offense will be fine. Uh, Tanner Morgan's still a decent quarterback. He didn't just completely disappear. Um, yeah. I think they got a really good running back in Muhammad Ibrahim, and the offensive line's coming back pretty much intact. So, you know, replacing a guy like Rashad Bateman is going to be incredibly difficult. But you know, Minnesota can get back to at least some sort of relevance offensively going into next season. I think the biggest question is defense. Um, They allowed uh, 6.9 yards per play last season, which is, which is a lot of yards to give up defensively. So they definitely need to improve on that side of the ball. I guess one positive you want to look at it as one is that most of their defensive depth chart, most of their defensive starters are coming back. But again, it's going to be all about improving defensively if this team wants to um, get back to anywhere near where they were in 2019. 100% agree with you right there. Um, I mean, you look at the defensive numbers, they allowed 208 yards of passing, which isn't terrible, but uh, was it, it, I think their passing defense was a lot worse than that number uh, says. And then 
on the ground. They also allow 206 yards on the ground per game, which is the number that is just absolutely terrible. Um, I I mean, it, if the passing defense can stay along those same lines, it'll probably be fine. But they really need to tighten up that run defense uh, in twenty this spring and summer if they want to get back to where they were. And with that, we can move on to Nebraska. Uh, the Cornhuskers were once again, uh, I don't know, below average, I guess, three and five on the season. Um, they have yet to have, I mean, any solid type of season under Scott Frost. But um, do you think 2021 is finally that season? Because, I mean, this team is kind of a disaster at quarterback. Yeah, until they get the quarterback situation sorted out, I don't think this team's ever going to get over the hump, I guess you could say. Uh, this team has always been the, the team that everyone's been like, oh, this is finally the year Nebraska's going to get back to where they were, or they're finally going to be above 500 or whatever, this or that. And in reality, it's just another disappointment. So... Adrian Martinez is what he is. I kind of look at him like a lot like I look like Sean. I look at him very similarly to how I look at Sean Clifford. He just is what he is. He's never going to be the guy that Nebraska wants him to be. And until they get that guy, I just think it's going to be much of the same for Nebraska. Yeah, I, I agree that with that. Uh, I mean, do we know who they're starting? I'm assuming Adrian Martinez is returning. Yeah, because it's got to be him for now because Luke McCaffrey transferred to Louisville, I believe. So yeah, McCaffrey transferred. So I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's Adrian Martinez. Um, I'm sure probably done a little bit more research on Nebraska there. Um, but um, yeah, I mean Martinez was, I mean, 71 percent completion percentage last year is solid, um, but four interceptions, three touchdowns. He did have 521 yards on the ground. So, I mean, when Martinez, it's never been about if he has the talent to do so. It's always been that, but he's never been consistent. Uh, we'll see if he has that this year. But, um, yeah, I just – I think this defense is going to also have to take a big step forward. They want to get close to six wins. Uh, they only allowed 29.4 points per game. Sorry, they – I said only. They allowed 29.4 points per game last year, which is uh, certainly not great, uh, while only allow, uh, scoring 23.1. Um, so, yeah, that defense needs to take a step forward. Uh, on the ground, they allowed 169 yards per game, which isn't terrible. I mean, they allowed 386.5 yards per game, which, again, kind of like Penn State, a lot of not a lot of yards given up, but a lot of points. Comes back to turnovers. Uh, Nebraska's offense averaged 2.3 turnovers per game last year, averaged less than forced less than one per game. Uh, so cut down on the turnovers, and you may see some big improvements out of them as well. Yeah, I think um, Nebraska's defense actually did take a nice step forward last year, and they've got nine starters coming back this year. So if this defensive, if this group defensively can take another step forward. Um, I, I, there could be some slight improvements, but again, I just think there's too many questions offensively, uh, for, for this team to really improve the way they want to. I, I 100% agree with you there. Um, by the way, if you're listening, take a shot every time I say absolutely or a hundred percent. Um, but Let's move on to Northwestern, who made the Big Ten Championship game this past season. It was a very, I mean, uh, nothing but a very good season for the Wildcats. Pat Fitzgerald teams, they may not always be good teams, but they're always going to be scrappy and give you um, really, really good games. Uh, always the type of team you hate to face because of it. Uh, last season, they were led by their defense only allowing 15.9 points per game. The offense wasn't great, only averaged about 25 points per game. But when your defense is giving up just over two touchdowns per game, you have a shot to win every week, um, no matter what. Peyton Ramsey, 
did enough there at quarterback, 12 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, do, do you think this is a team that is going to stay atop that Big Ten West? Do you think they're going to take a little bit of back step back? Um, I think Peyton Ramsey is moving on, correct? Peyton Ramsey is moving on, yes. Um, you are looking at a quarterback battle between two transfer portal guys, Ryan Halinski from South two Carolina formal, yeah. originally, and Hunter Johnson, who was there last year as well. He came from Clemson a couple of years ago. So it'll be interesting to see who can yeah, win Johnson, that quarterback battle. Yeah, Johnson, a former five-star, right? Former five-star, former number one quarterback in the country, I believe. So the And Halinski was a high four-star. Halinski was. So it'll be interesting to see who wins that battle for Northwestern. Personally, I like Halinski. But uh, we'll see how it goes there. Um, not, I think the biggest issue for this team is they only have two returning starters on offense and four returning starters on defense. So um, yeah, that's I a lot of talent. It's a lot of talent from a, a seven and two team and a team that competed against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. That's a lot of talent gone. So yeah. I, I think it will be difficult for this team to replicate what they did last year. Um, if Helensky could come in and be an absolute stud, then they got a chance. But I just think there's too many guys that they have to replace on both sides of the ball for that to happen. I agree. And, I mean, it, it's going to come down – for them to stay at top, it's going to come down to their abilities on defense. Because I don't think this – off. I mean, I think we agree that this offense isn't going to really – it's not going to take any major step forward. They may score a few more points, perhaps, but it's not going to ever be a dominating offense, which means the defense is going to have to be dominating. If the defense takes any sort of step back, you're looking at a team that could go from eight or nine wins to being a borderline 500. Yeah, and I think we see that from Northwestern quite a bit. They're a team that – It's a cycle. Yeah, they'll have a really good year. Pat Fitzgerald will cash out off that really good year, and then they'll regress for a little bit, maybe have a really bad year, and then they'll go back to having another really good year. So it seems like they get the perfect crop of seniors every three to four years, and like that, those seniors or those upperclassmen just carry the team to a Big Ten West championship. And it's honestly impressive. And, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald is the best coach that Northwestern's ever going to get, which is why they rewarded him very handsomely with a 10-year contract extension. But, you know, I, I think that uh, it's a shame that Northwestern picked last year to, to peak because, you know, in the COVID year and everything. Because in a normal year, I think it would have gotten a lot more media attention. I, I 100% agree. And, I think last year just shows how good of a coach Pat Fitzgerald is. He's one of the most underrated head coaches in the entire country and just one of my favorite overall because uh, his teams, like I said, may not always be good, but they're going to always be scrappy and they're going to fight like hell every game. Oh, absolutely. No, he's uh, he's he's kind of an under he's an underrated coach or kind of a gem in a college football. I'm surprised he hasn't been like wooed away by another top program. I'm being perfectly honest with you. Oh, no, I, I 100% agree. And I think at this point, he's – unless an offer you can't refuse comes around, uh, he's Northwestern through and through, obviously played there and everything. Um, and he's going to be there uh, until he retires, in my mind. Oh, yeah, especially once they gave him that 10-year contract. The only thing that was going to potentially – get him away from Northwestern was the NFL. So yep. now that like, that's probably not going to happen. I, he's not leaving Northwestern. I agree. Uh, let's move on to the Purdue Boilermakers who went two and four last year. This Jeff Brom contract, Anthony has uh, been a disaster since uh, that first seven and six season. He's gone six and seven, four and eight and two and four. So nothing but downhill uh since then um last year the offense was solid 27.2 points per game but the defense allowed near 30 points per game uh they got demolished through the air week in and week out 250 yards 
allowed through the air, as well as on the ground, 150 yards per game allowed on the ground. Um, the one bright spot for this team is wide receiver David Bell, and the other bright spot for this team is perhaps, I mean, if if he's healthy and able to play like we know he can, George Carl Aftis uh, there on the defensive line. Oh, yeah, for sure. David Bell's a star. Um, oh, he's going to – I mean, he's going to be a potential first-round draft pick next year. Oh, yeah, he's going to follow in the mold of Rondell Moore, who I was going to say uh, definitely um, not replacing him because David Bell will absolutely is absolutely good enough to replace Rondell Moore. But just, um, you know, Rondell Moore was an absolute firecracker for that offense when he was healthy. I mean, no one will ever forget that Ohio State game where Rondo Moore just absolutely destroyed that Ohio State secondary for four quarters. I've never seen one guy take it to Ohio State like Rondo Moore did in that game. It was truly something to watch. Um, But, yeah, no, this team definitely needs more consistency on the offensive side of the ball. Um, They need to figure out the quarterback situation. Um, Is it Jack Plummer? Is it somebody else? Um, I, I think someone needs to take a clear hold on that starting job at quarterback. And, yeah, again, I don't see Purdue really having a, mo- a monster season this year. They're a team that every once in a while they do put it together with a little less consistency than Northwestern does, but they do eventually have good seasons under Jeff Brom. I still think he's a quality coach, but I think they need to figure out their offensive identity a little bit more. I I one hundred percent agree with you there. Um, again, take a shot because I said one hundred percent. But uh, I mean, I, I I honestly do agree with you, almost on all of these. But that's because we are almost the same football mind. We think the same on all these things. Uh, we rarely disagree if you think about it. Um, with Purdue, I mean, this offense I think is going to be a, a good offense again. They always are going to be a very good. Uh, offense or solid at the worst, but I just don't think this defense is going to have the talent to stop a lot of off opposing offenses. And sure, they may win a shootout here or there, but for the most part, I think it's going to be a struggle to win games for them just because they're going to struggle to stop opposing teams. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that should take us to our last team, right? Sure, but it does. But right before that, do you think – Another bad season with Purdue. Jeff Brom could be uh, looking for a new job next offseason. I think he needs to have two bad seasons. I don't think – because they gave him that fat contract. I don't think they're going to want to eat that contract. Um, I think no, it would I think it would take another bad season after this one for him – for his job to be on the line. I think he's done enough right. good there that, you know, Purdue doesn't have high expectations to begin with. This isn't like a – a, a Big Ten championship. This is like Nebraska, where like they expect to win the Big Ten championship at some point, and it's sure, just sure. not happening. You know, Purdue is a team that if they're above five hundred and relevant, you're doing enough to to be successful. So if Brom gets this team back to that point, it'll be fine. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely. Agree with that. I, I think, depending on how bad the season goes, uh, we could see him possibly get in the hot seat. If they start 0-5 or something, I could see him perhaps losing his job. But let's move on, like you said, to that final team, the University of Wisconsin, which, I mean, we're going to enter the season with high expectations about these Badgers, like we do every year. But let me tell you something, Anthony. At the end of the day, they're going to disappoint it's the Wisconsin way. Dylan Dylan has never been high on Wisconsin. He's always felt this way. But have I been proven wrong yet? Because nope. anytime they get to a big game, they lose. You're not wrong. That is true. And most of the reasons they get to those big games is because they've had one of the easiest divisions in all of college football to run through every year. Literally run through. Oh, I completely agree. The Big Ten needs to be realigned. There's absolutely no reason for Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State to be on the exact same side of the conference. Obviously, Michigan State's bad right now, but eventually they will get back to where they were. 
same for Michigan and Penn State, probably very soon for those teams. So, you know, I do think the Big Ten needs a, a nice conference realignment, maybe get one of those teams over on the other side, kind of even things out. But that's a story. That's a, that's a conversation for another day. Um, Wisconsin, I think the biggest story for them is obviously Graham Mertz. Uh, you know, last year he looked good in that game against Illinois. Anybody could have looked. Sean Clifford looked good against Illinois. So looking back on it, you really can't take a whole lot from that. You know, he got COVID, so he was out for three weeks. And then after that, he was kind of up and down. So I, I think for Wisconsin, the story is going to be getting Graham Mertz to a point where he's comfortable in that offense, you know, getting a better consistency out of him. Because I think he's got very high potential. And uh, they're actually a pretty solid defensive team. Uh, they're, they, didn't, they don't lose a lot. They bring back eight starters. Um, maybe along the defensive line, they need to improve a little bit. But uh, overall, this team is not a bad team. Uh, they just need to plug in some some guys at different spots and sure up some holes. Yeah, I think Graham Merge definitely has the potential to be one of the top quarterbacks in the Big Ten. But last year was a struggle, and I think there's questions about him, and rightfully so. Um, I mean, the big I think the big question here is. Was last year's struggles offensively in terms of running the ball, only allowing, averaging 3.9 yards per carry, are those a sign of things that are going to continue in 2021 or are they going to get back to normal? If they get back to normal, this team will be fine. They'll be at the top of the Big Ten West again, get to the Big Ten Championship game just to lose to Ohio State again, probably make a New Year's Six and lose that too. Um <laughs> I may be a little biased against Wisconsin. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> well, when I'm proven wrong about them, I'll stop. Oh, man. You're lucky that it's you're saying this is a 57-minute mark and absolutely nobody is listening at this point because <laughs> it's like sunrise, sunset. They uh they come out, they, they do really well in the shitty side of the conference. They uh, get to a big game. They lose that one. They get to a bowl game. They lose that. Sunrise, sunset, cast a check. Keep moving forward, baby. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. Wisconsin is a phenomenal program. They they are phenomenally consistent in being a very good team. But I never want to hear them about them being a like a playoff contender ever again because, I mean – no, no. Yeah. A team that's built on just running the ball cannot be a playoff team in today's game. No, absolutely not. And they do have a good running attack. I, I'm really interested to see how Jalen Berger does next year. Um, I think he could be a really good running back. But, um, yeah, uh, it, it's all going to hinge on Graham Mertz. All right. Well, I think with that, that wraps up the Big Ten uh, previews. Anthony, any other thoughts on um, any other thoughts on the Big Ten? And I should say, uh, Wisconsin. I actually just want to check. Wisconsin does not always lose their ball games, but they do always lose to uh, you know the best teams the Big Ten East throws at them. Uh, we need a whole episode just talking about this, but. Um... No, no other thoughts. Uh, I think regardless of who comes out of the West next year, I, I think Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten. Uh, they're probably going to get to the playoff if they do. Well, they will get to the playoff if they do. So, I mean, it'll be just like it always is, and Ohio State will will probably be winning the Big Ten next year. I agree. Who do you have, uh, who do you have facing Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game? Because I have Iowa. You have Iowa. Hmm. Oh man, I don't know. You don't need to give an answer. I, I, it's too early. I think there's a couple of. I could see Wisconsin coming out of there. I could see Iowa. I could see Northwestern putting it together again. So we'll see. We'll see what happens right. out of the West. It's too soon for me to say. Well, with that, everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of the CFB 365 podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week with the Pac-12 and recruiting, like I said, at the beginning of the episode. If you listen throughout, thank you uh, for listening to another episode. And be sure to subscribe to us on whatever uh, 
podcast platform you listen to us on, follow us on Twitter, um, do all that fun stuff that we like to say all episode, you know, you know, everybody says it, every podcast, every YouTube video, whatever. Uh, but yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you guys real soon.